that before would be we start, bad. what did you want to talk about today? Uh, I'm going to talk about Enos Cancer, the Sweet 16, and Hot Rod Hunley. From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. All right, welcome to episode 46. 46 of these in the books. 46. 47. That's, that's one was not too many. Well, no, technically 47, but this is the 46th one. So, hey, welcome right. to Tribune Sports Radio. I'm your host, Ben Raskin. Uh, with us today, we've got digital editor of the Salt Lake Tribune, Kevin Winters Morris. Always a pleasure, Benny. <laughs> and uh, you beat writer, uh, fresh back from uh, Texas, Kyle Goon. How are you doing, Kyle? Good. I added to my belt buckle collection, so uh, got the belt game going on. God, that's Hey, seriously, so what was this like? And let's just jump right into the Sweet 16 and this great run that you have had. Um, and also, I haven't seen you, it feels like, in a month, you know. Uh, that would be accurate. And last time I saw you, uh, I was lying to my girlfriend about Bill Orm. Hey, Billy, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> we're having you over for dinner to kind of smooth everything out because uh, I think the two of you are just as mad at me as – anyway, moving on. But <laughs> – what was this entire run of these Utes in this first year we're covering University of Utah? What was it like? Um, I mean, it was exhausting and uh, very, very exciting. Um, I, I hadn't covered the men's NCAA tournament before. I've been on two runs with the BYU women. I went to the Sweet 16 last year, actually, yeah. if you remember, in Lincoln, Nebraska. How does um, that compare? How does it compare? How, how does the women's one compare to the men's one? It's just uh, – it's a totally different level of, of media scrutiny and excitement. And, you know, obviously the crowds are larger. And, and uh, the men's tournament, you know, one of the, one of the uh, most invigorating things as a writer is, you know, you're, go- you're rubbing elbows with people le- from the New York Times, from USA Today, from Sports Illustrated, from, you know, just all these national outlets. Uh, and, and they're really good. And yeah. they're they're suddenly taking an interest in your team. So what you kind of kind of challenge yourself to do is, you know, think about, well, what stories can I tell can that these people can't, you know, what, what can I do to kind of at least kind of compete with, you know, some, some, some guy who who's rolling in on the New York times and has, has done this his entire life for, for 25 years or whatever. So this is, it's a really interesting challenge from my perspective and, you know, just the the thrill of kind of being on the floor. I mean, even before, even um, if it's a raised floor like they had. Oh, that was weird, and I'll <laughs> talk about that in a second. But, okay. but you know, just just the experience, you know, of of being courtside, you know, um, which is an experience I don't even get at Utah home games, <laughs> by the way, uh, Utah Athletics. Uh, but um, you hear that Utah? <laughs> get Gooner on the floor. Um, but you know, you know, Kirk Craigthorpe and I before. Um, the evening games for the Utah's evening game on uh, in the first round against Stephen F. Austin, uh, we we were watching the Ohio State VCU game, and you know def- defensive on TV. I don't know how it played out, but you know just in person, it's just it's rad. It's 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 really just a cool experience to kind of see everything up live and up close, and and just kind of know you're watching a moment that. People are watching on television across the country. Yeah, we say uh, we obviously going into the Sweet Sixteen, not just because we're living here in Utah, you know. But for me, it was uh, super 
to use your word, rad. You know, it's like that Utah Duke game was the one circled in the Sweet 16. I thought it was going to be the best bout. I thought it was going to be the most compelling. And uh, it turned out to be a fairly decent game. It just never, it just seemed like the Utes were on their heels the majority of the time. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what was it like uh, writing, you know, obviously they win, you advance personally. You get to go to the next game as well, you know, but like what were you thinking and how were you uh, reacting to that game? Uh, the Sweet 16 game? Yeah, against Duke. Um, against Duke? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you, you try and put a different sort of hat on. Um, you know, obviously I'm a Maryland grad, so I've had different feelings about Duke growing up and, <laughs> and uh, maybe strong feelings even. But, um, you know, you just try and sit back and kind of detach yourself, not worry about um, what's going to happen until after you, you write your game story. And that's what you kind of focus on. Um and, and you kind of try and just take in, you know, what's happening, what are the important factors, just like any other game. I mean, you know, there's sort of that subplot of, of, you know, well, am I preparing for another two nights in Houston? Am I trying to <sighs> rebook flights? Houston. But, uh, you know, I'm of the mindset. I know some people in, in, uh, in the media are going to constantly be watching Delta or, or Southwest during the game. Yeah. and book like right as the game is finishing but i you know i kind of try and step back and let it unfold and and see what happens and just try not to let it affect how i perform my job that night the city of houston is it uh, just a horrible city or is it the worst city in america <laughs> <laughs> well I, uh, in houston's defense i didn't see much of it okay I'd, so be I, a Houston apologi- apologist, you know, just, tell, just shoot straight from the hip <laughs> to use the vernacular of the Texans. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's got sprawl like okay. a lot of other cities. I always um, love to bring a movie back into this one. The only nuclear weapon dropped in Independence Day for, you know, the Independence Day movie was in Houston. That's how little they valued that city. So they dropped a nuke in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I forgot. <laughs> I, the aliens blew up the other cities. Yeah, the aliens. We blew up. America blew up Houston. Anyway, let's not Houston back. <laughs> um, tracking camera on the court. So what was that? Like? For me, that was my favorite part of the game, even though I hate that race court when I'm watching it on TV. Well, that, that was the moment of the game when I wish you were on Snapchat because I sent a bunch of people Snapchats of that thing going back and <laughs> forth in front of my face. And, like, you know, as the game goes on, you get, adjust to it. But at first, it's, like, kind of – it's almost like creepy, like big brothery, and you're like, "Oh, what is this thing?" And like, well, I like, was kind of wondering how it worked. It's like the is rabbit that, at the like dog a, track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, "Well, is this like a?" Honestly, at one point, I asked myself, and I've realized how foolish this is. But I was like, "Is there like a sensor inside the ball so it like <laughs> follows the ball?" And like, I know that's so dumb, but I was just like, I know there's certainly some kind of manual operator there, but. I was just thinking to myself, wow, that's just like – it does feel sort of like a futuristic-type technology for some reason. Of course, it's just like it's on that silly, silly uh, track. I so. do love the Dutch angle, though. It's one of the coolest things when you're watching the game, you know, coming up from the – you know, Dutch angle is coming from the floor up at just a little bit like a 45-degree angle. You, you know what was weird about sitting at that raised court? You can't tell how tall anybody is. Well, you assume they. You have to assume they are tall. Yeah, you assume <laughs> they are tall, but you know, even the big guys look weirdly normal sized. Mm. I, I lost a sense of perspective mm. uh, uh, from from sitting at that weird angle, uh, like you just said, where sort of the court is about chest high when you're sitting down, 
and it's like yeah it was it was really weird is it like sitting in the front row of a movie theater almost um you know like no probably not that bad not not not, wasn't up that high i mean like their knees were probably at my eye level basically yeah so i mean the one thing i was worried about was uh what was um just you know a loose ball coming our direction and and somebody careening into my laptop or whatever Mm. not really as so much me personally mostly my laptop so i could finish (laughs) my story that was the main concern i had how'd they feed you um pretty well although i have to say of all the postseason tournaments i thought the pac-12 tournament in vegas did really the best job of anybody what was it what was the spread um not to get on the games but you know what food were they offering well one thing that they had which i really appreciated um and maybe anybody who spent more than two days in vegas appreciates is they had a pretty full salad bar every day <laughs> like really like really it's good recharging food it's good you know get get whatever i'm out of out of my system food it's, it's, it's pretty good sweating out all the stuff from the blackjack table <laughs> well it's uh just it's so uh, with the final four set up the way it is now i mean uh what do you see is this just kentucky's obviously it's kentucky's to lose do you think they've got the the strength to pull through i think if wisconsin doesn't beat them there's no one will. I don't. Michigan I don't think State Michigan Duke State and Duke chance. have the horses. Yeah. I don't think so. Well, let's start on the, the western side. How's Duke and Michigan State going to match up? Um, you know, honestly, of of all the Final Four teams, I've probably watched Michigan State the the least. I watched them certainly a little bit when uh, the Maryland upset. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't an upset, but Maryland beat them pretty good two times. Um, actually went to over double overtime one time, but beat them twice. So I don't know. I mean, they're they're a versatile team. They're a well coached team. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if that's giving me enough to match up with Duke. Um, just with Okafor, he demands double teams pretty much, and when he doesn't, um, or when when you neutralize him through double teaming, and otherwise, you know, the other guys on that team have proven they can step up. So I think, I think Duke does go to the final. Mm. Um, I think Duke, Duke, Duke's got a pretty decent coach too. Theirs isn't too shabby. <laughs> yeah, theirs isn't too shabby. So. What was it like watching uh, Mike Krzyzewski, uh work do his thing on the sidelines? How tall is he? Is he a big dude? No. When you're standing next to him, do you think you could take him? Do I think? Well, he's. Uh, I want to say he's 68 or 69. So that's probably. not what I asked you. <laughs> I said, do you think you could take him? Yeah, he's he's not that big. He's not. But also, he was in the army. I was going to point that out. Correct. Mm-hmm. So you know, you've got that. So. You have the age advantage. You might have a little bit more technical training. You think it'd be a good fight? <laughs> I, well, How's I don't the know. Reach? You know, one thing I noticed about uh, Coach K, you know, when I was in college, you always see him in the suit, and he does kind of strike a, a certain figure in the suit. But then the day before, when we do all the interviews, he showed up in a jumpsuit, and you kind of actually see his age. Um, he's 68. Yeah, he's 68. Yeah. So I, I mean, you kind of actually you're like, oh, he's he is kind of an older guy. He he, you know, he moves a little stiffly. Um, you know, he's got kind of got some. Uh, he's he's got a little bit of a, that grandfather figure going on. So that was really the first time. I mean, with the jet black hair and the suit, and um, you can't really tell how old he is. He's kind of <laughs> timeless, right? So well, we're you're certainly not encouraging Kyle Goon to beat up Mike Shashevsky. That is no, you know, no, no, no. This is clearly a hypothetical. Uh, <laughs> Where do the you've you've experienced a lot of basketball, a lot of college basketball in your career? 
Where do the Duke fans register on the annoying fanometer during the game? I'm not sure. This is a great question for me. Do you, do you have an opinion on it, though? Well, I mean, they've been known to yell and be in unison and whatnot. So I'm just curious as to your opinion, having a vast knowledge of college basketball hooping. Hooping and whooping. Hooping and whooping. whooping. Right. Do they annoy you, Goon, during the game? Or were you too focused on the camera? Well, I'm so professional that it doesn't even matter. Oh what do you goodness. think, Camo? Uh, they would drive me nuts. I think so, too. They would drive me nuts. Yeah. Bonkers. I'll, I, I, I I'll let you guys say week, it. <laughs> I admitted last week I have an absolutely unfounded hatred of Duke. It's based on nothing. It's irrational. Yeah, yeah. I just hate Duke, so I'd hate their fans, too. How did they travel? Who traveled better, Utes or uh, Duke? Who tra- Oh, the Duke fans, certainly. But... You know, Both that, by plane. I think that's kind of one of the things about <laughs> geography played a huge part in it too. I mean, you know, I mean, how how large is the school? Like, is is it ten thousand, twelve thousand? It's it's not terribly large, right? Which school? Duke. Duke. Oh, small but proud. Small uh, but I'm proud. I'm gonna guess it's for, uh, in 2013, according to Duke, uh, fourteen thousand six hundred. It isn't small. Okay, so it's a medium-sized university, but all the fans Probably, what, 10, who are, undergrad who are 4, Duke 000. fans did not go oh, to Duke. Let's off. let's just say that University of Utah enrollment thirty-one thousand five hundred fifteen, according to yeah. So it's Utah. it's uh, less than half the enrollment of a university like Utah. So Duke fans did not all go to Duke. I mean, I feel like they have probably more of a national base. Sort of like they're sort of like the Dallas Cowboys in that way, or the Atlanta Braves, or the Yankees, or whoever. They just sort of get that exposure and and appeal to sort of a wider geographic spread. So I don't think it creates fair weather fans. Yeah, that's what I think. I would say, and and that's and the problem then, with these national teams. Too. And then fair weather. I mean, when you have Coach K and he's won twenty. 20 games and something like every, every season since 1994, 1995, something like that. Been to the tournament every year since 96, I want to say. So when you have that kind of success and those kind of fans, well, sure. Yeah. Well, we, we were talking about this last week. Is that the one stat that stood out with me with, uh, with uh, Coach K was that he's lost 26 games in the NCAA tournament. So, but if you do the math on that, that means he's been – to the tournament at minimum of 26 times. He's won it four times. He's won it four, yeah, so he's, I think it's 30 appearances. I mean, that's remarkable. Oh, yeah, it's insane. And, uh, yeah, just to do it as long as he's done it, I, I mean, I don't I don't care who you are. You have to have some kind of respect for that. That's All right, crazy. so I'm going to let you off the hook on having to do this, but uh, name a winner, and who do you got going into the finals, and who's going to win this whole thing? Uh, I think it's – I think it's Duke and Kentucky, which is the TV network's dream because it, it's going to break all kinds of records. It's not Golden State Atlanta, <laughs> that TV producer's dream? Um, no, it's just, uh, yeah, it's going to be the two biggest brands in basketball, and a lot of people are going to watch, and Kentucky, I think, will win. I, I just see them as two – they got – matching up with Duke specifically – They've got too much size, and their size is so athletic. I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein – actually, Matt Piper pointed out this out to me. Willie Cauley-Stein, the center for Kentucky, has the most pedestrian stats of any first-team All-American you've ever seen because he averages like nine points and six rebounds per game. 
but his value is he's a starter and sort of the backbone for that Kentucky defense, which is historically great, which mm-hmm. may be the best team defense since the three-point line was brought in. So, I mean, like, he's the rim protector. He can guard pretty much four positions. I mean, he can do a lot of things. And and they have just a bunch of guys like that who are just oh. freaks. Oh, I think – wait, what do, you th- what do you got, Cam? To win it all? Yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. Do you think Duke's going to be the one? I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. How much How much is Dean Smith going to be in one shining moment? Uh, six times. <laughs> uh, I, I will say this, though. I will say this. Wisconsin is the second best remaining team. Yeah, I I, th- I really I agree, Goon. I think and, the, the title game is that is that that, is that, yeah. that first game is is essentially the title game because Wisconsin they have they actually have some size. I like some of their versatility with their size with Ducker and Nigel Hayes and you know their obsession with stenographers. Did you hear about that? No. I know you. Yeah, but did you see this, Kevin? Oh, Last the one week? where he singles out the girl. Yeah, singled out the stenographer. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was by far the best. That should be in one shining moment. That should be the entire one shining <laughs> moment video. I'd like to say a couple words. Uh, onomatopoeia, uh, disestablishmentarianism, <laughs> um, synergy, zephyr, syzygy. It's just the best. My one shining moment, I, I would say, would have two up to this date. One is that I won a $5 bet off a patron at the bar who said that UNLV was going to advance further than Wisconsin. Do the math. Just think about it for a second. So UNLV that was not in the tournament? It was not in the tournament. Uh, he was so certain that UNLV was going to advance past Wisconsin because we were watching the I Hate Christian Later uh, Leitner special, and he kept thinking that UNLV was in the tournament this year, and so I was like the easiest money I took. So I'd like to have a picture of Abe. Yeah, I see you processing this. He didn't know UNLV wasn't in the tournament. So wh- how did you convince him to – Put five bucks on it if he. He asked me if I wanted to bet five bucks. Oh my god! Yeah, so it was easy as five bucks, uh, and I brought out my. I looked at my bracket, and the other part of my bracket uh, thing is I'd like to show my bracket how it was completely decimated within the first day, mm. just absolutely just destroyed. Yeah, those upsets minus the the one seeds. Yeah, well, upset. speaking of upsets, moving on. Uh, how about that Enos Cantor, <laughs> returning back to Salt Lake City, OKC. Kevin, we were talking before the mics came on. What do you think about that? Uh, we were talking about basically what a, what a heelish move that he did, that he went from being the face, uh, a face and in, in using wrestling terms to being the, uh, to just being a heel. Yeah. I think it was – what was he thinking? He wasn't. See, I, I can – I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview myself here. Okay. What was he thinking? He wasn't, Kevin. Obviously he wasn't. Why do you think – why was it a bad move? <laughs> Well, probably because a team that's going to look at him in free agency is going to go, we want that boob on our team? I don't think so. It, it was – was Can we talk about how the word boob is underused to describe a you, – you know what it means, but it's just a great well, word. Of course, well, I think we're talking about a bird, right? Huh? Yeah. I think it – What? Dead air, Benny. It's every it's, podcast's worst friend. It is the worst uh, so, I don't know. It was uh, – obviously, the quote of the night came from Trevor Booker on that. Oh, you know? absolutely. I mean, that just – it was a hammer yeah. on that. But, I mean, let's say you were to leave the Tribune and go work for um, – uh, 
not, I don't want to see the DN because that's that's way there's already a built-in rivalry there. Let's say the the Oklahoman. <laughs> sure. All right. And then uh, or yeah, you see, they've got a great sports editor. Really like that guy, Mike Sherman. Thanks no, for listening. Mike Sherman's great. So uh, let's see. He knows how to run a real organization. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you, he knows how to run a real newsroom, and he wouldn't be messing around with some sports podcast like this. He would have, I don't know, Kevin Durant on. Mike's a good guy. He's also a New York guy. So, not so, that anyone really cares. Yeah. So. Eh, no one's listening at this moment right. anyway. Hi, Mrs. Rasmus. Hey, Ma. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, but let's just say you were to you were to jump ship and move to another newspaper. I yeah. mean, isn't I mean, unless you were had your hat handed to you and were treated like a, a complete uh, boob for uh, sure to use the vernacular Great of the day. Word. You know, I mean, uh, what what is it? Does it behoove you to talk smack on your previous employers? These guys are just employees. They're pieces that get moved around, you know. Uh, I don't know. I thought with, with Cantor coming back, it was like that was the first time I think they sold out ESA this entire year, you know. Um, it it, it kind of goes to – and Aaron Falk, the Tribune's jazz beat reporter, and uh, Chris Kimrani, another regular the Real Salt Lake beat reporter, have often uh. talked about we don't really know athletes. We really don't. Yeah. But – we, we like to think that we do, and that w- when they're on their team, they're one of us, and, man, we're pulling for them, and we, we throw all this emotion into supporting them. And then a guy like Cantor goes and just takes a big old number two. number two on all that emotion and is like, I hated it. The only good thing – what was – what was did the you mountains? like anything? The mountains. The mountains. Like, <laughs> you're just like, come on, man. Seriously? But really – if a guy was going to do it, it was going to be cancer. Cancer yeah. would do it. I, I just – it it just – it you have to be smarter than that. I really think it comes down to it in, in the sports business, especially in the age of free agency. Like, I really do think it will affect free agency for him. That a few te- – I think that there will be some teams that are going to be like, man, we don't want to deal with that. Yeah. We don't want that headache. And, and I think if I'm in the jazz management, I'm like, that's why we got rid of this fool. Yeah, it's because – He can't play defense – and he's not smart enough to know he's that a this PR is nightmare. not a good idea. Who would you take, uh, Jakob Pertle or Enos Cantor at this point? That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Pertle, uh, man, he looks like the safe pick. Where's Tony Jones when you need him? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see comments like that being born out of frustration, um, you know, just uh, of maybe, you know, a year or more of, of the guy seeing his time kind of see to – Gobert and maybe feeling like he didn't really have a future in an organization. Um, maybe that affects his perception of the Jazz as as much as any, you know, maybe mistakes the Jazz made or whatever he was he was trying to get at. I don't know, but you know, I, I just when you when you're in that, you know, when people have recorders in your face and, and cameras in your face, your your, your comments are going to be held to a higher standard. And just you know, the the gentlemanly thing to do certainly would have been like. You know, I had a great three I, and a half years with the Jazz, and I agree with the gentlemanly part of this. And you know, if he, I, I wish there was a part where the Oklahoma City would have said something like, you know, like uh, let him off his leash, say whatever you want, we'll back up whatever you say, kind of, you know, no, but you know what I mean to kind of yeah. create a little drama, create a little controversy, you know, like spice it up, feed the, you know, feed the machine back in OKC, and you know, and also like you're coming back to Salt Lake City. Why not have a little fun with this? You know, and I mean that in seriousness. But the problem is that coaches and the general manager, they came out and they say, like, he'd been warned. And we also, like, we're dealing with this internally, you know. 
Yeah. And what could have been a what could have been a fun thing like uh, Hulk Hogan becoming Hollywood Hogan, you know, yeah. like becoming a villain. Instead, it makes him look like a classless guy, and that's well, the crummy part about the story. But as a reporter, you're really thankful that he did. Oh, I, I mean, it makes it makes your job easier when when he does. And, and like I said, if a guy was going to do it, it was going to be Cantor. Yeah, he was going to do it, and um, yeah, it, I I think yeah, I, I think there's a lot that he was obviously very unhappy here, you know, but. Uh, you know, the, 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 when they talk about, like, dueling pianos and stuff like that, it's like, it's not that their song's better than yours. It's just that that guy has a better job. You know? Yeah. Like he, and yeah. so, you know, if you can't stop the Stifle Tower, you know, then, you know, shut up. Right. Then just shut up. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that hard to shut up. You couldn't play defense, buddy. Like, when it comes down to it, you couldn't defend anything, including your own mouth. Yeah. You couldn't even stop that. Boom. <laughs> you know, I think the thing that always surprised me about Cantor was, you know, but when plenty he got, offensive. When he got drafted here, I mean, you know, Calipari was singing his praises. No one had seen him play since the hoop summit, essentially, and I guess private workouts. But he never seemed to be as, as explosive as I thought sort of the book on him was supposed to be. He never seemed to be quite the athlete that some people made him out to be. And uh, I think that really hurt him, especially when you look at the NBA game and, and how it's played just above the rim. I mean, he never seemed to be sort of at that level at any point in his, in his career with the Jazz. And then, of course, conditioning every year seemed to be an issue. Yeah, I, I think it, it, a guy like Cantor kind of raises the question, and, and it's kind of a general sports question of how good do you have to be to be able to get away with shenanigans, you know, of being – for lack of a better no, term, I like where you're idiot. going with this. You know, I mean, in baseball, if you're a if you're hitting 245, you better not be the guy yeah, yeah. dropping bombs in the clubhouse about other teams. You know, if if you're the third string quarterback on the Patriots and you say something like that, let me tell you, you're out of a job. You know, if you're the back, most guys on the Patriots would be out of a job yeah. dropping bombs like that. I mean, it's. I think that you, if you want to do that, you had really better. First of all, you've got to go out and you got to beat that team. Yeah, your team cannot lose. Cantor looks even more foolish because his team lost, and it and it and that's Westbrook how Booker put, and Westbrook drops put up thirty seven points in that game too. You know, yeah, and so it was. I, I absolutely agree with you. It's like. Let's just say uh, A Rod without the steroids uh, scandal right. and stuff like that. He always has great numbers, you know. But sometimes he said dumb things. Well, who cares at that point? Your fan base is backing you up the entire time. Well, and now his numbers are slipping, and it, he, he's I, kind of become yeah. like a used pair of jeans, where you're like, dude, just close your mouth. You need to stop. You need to stop talking. And like it, that, we talked in a different podcast yeah, about yeah. him apologizing, and it's old. And part of it is, look, man, you aren't even good. Yeah. You're not good anymore. You're you're getting old. You can't hit like you used to. You don't hit home runs like you used to. Your body's breaking down probably because it was chemically enhanced for so long. Mm -hmm. Just stop. Just go away. And, and so those shenanigans overtake you when you're no longer a superstar. Terrell Owens, another example. Terrell Owens, you kind of dealt with all of his whatever he was um, because he was the best receiver in the game at the time. And then that started his skills through time and 
taking many hits, started to diminish some. And all of a sudden, the act became really old, and you just got tired of it. Well, I, I think Gary Shetfield, to me, is one of those classic examples. You yeah. Know, like, when he was performing, uh, he, could there have been a more cantankerous person no. in baseball for a very long time? Right. And then as soon as his numbers started slipping, it's like, now he's an a-hole. Right. You know, now now right. you're just a jerk. Right. You know, it's like, right. now it doesn't merit it. Uh, you know, it, Beast it, Mode up in Seattle right now. Marshawn uh, Lynch. Lynch. Right. And, and I think it's something that what happens is that it, it will it does I think come back to, to haunt you later on in that you know if when you when your playing career ends and if you want to get into coaching or you want to get into management or something like broadcasting. that broadcasting right or broadcasting is another good example like and you've been a jerk to a whole lot of people for a whole long a whole lot of years oh well, there's only there's only room for a couple of, the there's only enough room for uh, 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 Miller Reggie Reggie Miller's. Like the Reggie Millers of the world are thin that they actually can kind of make that transformation from being right. kind of that that person yeah. to being a lovable you know sports personality again. You right. Know? Uh, I agree with this. This cancer thing is like you know what's what's the shelf life on this uh, this Turkish fellow? Well, I, like four more years in the league? No, I mean he can score. He and is this going to be mature? one of the sure? He, he has a durable game. Uh, uh, for what I just said about his. You know, maybe lack of explosiveness. He has a he has a durable game that's going to serve him for a long time. Yeah. And then, of course, there's always there's always going to be overseas stuff for him, um, given that given you know where he's from. So I, I don't know. He's I mean, he's only 22. Also, I mean, he'll turn 23 oh, in oh May. Oh gosh. So. Only, oh my gosh, I forgot that. He looks yeah. like yeah. he's 38. I mean, he does. He <laughs> does. But he's only 22. He'll be 23 in, in May 20th. And you, you know, the league needs shield big men. Nine. I mean, yeah, big men right. cycle in and out of the league all the time, and guys with sort of Cantor's ability to score and footwork just aren't always there. So, right. What if you could have, uh, Kyle, if you could coach him up for just a little bit, you know, pull him into a back room and say, hey, pal, this is how I want you to play for the next four years. When it regards to working with the media, what would you say to him? Oh, in regards to working with the media? Yeah. I was, I was like, yeah, just shoot threes all the time, dude. <laughs> just go for it. Play defense. Just pretend it's a video game. Um, Block some shots. Uh, no. Uh, in dealing with the media, um, you know, I mean, that that is kind of one mixed feeling I have about the Cantor situation because, you know, on, on one hand, you know, we're sort of the first to criticize the boneheadedness. But on the other, I mean, I think maybe some genuine feelings came out, and that's – that's kind of what we look for. I don't know. I th- I always thought Cantor was kind of a, a f- seemed like a fun guy to cover because he said ridiculous things uh, that were like funny, like and and mostly harmless. I mean, you know, until sort of the demand to be traded, and then and then uh, you know, obviously the the comments of this last weekend, maybe not the best judgment, but I, I don't know. I don't know if he needs coaching, so to speak. I, I think. You know, oh, we generally, all could use some coaching. I think generally when you're like a beat writer, I mean, Cantor is the kind of guy that maybe you um, can count on for a good soundbite. I mean, when he, this is the guy who, when he got drafted, was was saying uh, the under Cantor is coming to Salt Lake City. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's kind of a ridiculous character, and that's sort of what he is. And like Kevin said, I mean, he's 22 years old, um, and and maybe or 23 years old, maybe. He's not always making the best decisions about his conduct, but I'm sure he'll he'll learn. I'm sure somebody in OKC, maybe the most notoriously tight-fisted media yeah. dealing uh, team in in professional sports right now, um, is probably giving him a talking to about how to how to 
how to deal with some of those questions and you know it's kind of it you know maybe in the future we'll see more mature responses like you know i um, i had frustrations in my time with in utah but i'm glad you know it, it was the place where i started and i i always appreciate the support blah 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 maybe he'll say something like that but it is on the other hand maybe a little sad to see a little bit of honesty disappear out of um, some of some of those answers a little bit of genuineness I kind of I stand by what I said earlier though is that I love the development of a villain or doing you know like I always root for the bad guys in films and pro wrestling I always root for the bad you know you want you got to have great antagonists to have great protagonists you know and uh, I agree with you that makes great copy when he says stuff like that and you know it also you know it's like lobbing softballs towards Booker you know I mean literally he crushed that ball you know, he <laughs> crushed that ball but I don't know uh, I don't know. Bad, got, glad he's gone, you know, and looking forward to next year. It's, it's better for the Jazz to, yeah. to not have that roadblock. They know they know what their future is. And fav, Favors and Gobert, I, I mean, I've never been on high as, fa- as high on Favors as some people, but I think just the tandem, that's a very competitive mm. NBA front court right there. And as soon as they start figuring out, uh, you know, is Dante Exum ever going to be able to put a – put the ball through the basket um ever in his career <laughs> i don't know it's looking kind of dubious right now um you know as soon as they figure out that backcourt situation i mean jazz are gonna be a playoff team potentially next year well uh, let us not forget that dante exum was born in 1995 oh. so was that was that before or after the lion king got released i don't know i was a senior in college <laughs> like i could easily be his father if i had a passport and you know, leave it he was that. born after the Lion King was released. Wow. Bill Clinton was running for re-election. <laughs> yikes. It's yikes is right. We're yeah. Gonna, yeah. Let's yeah. just, the, well, the World Trade Center attacks meant a whole different thing. Oh, well, that's dark. <laughs> that is dark. It's true, though, but it is dark. Uh, might as well end on this dark note. Um, we had to say, we said goodbye to Hot Rod Hunley. Uh, last week, uh, I just wanted to tell a personal story about meeting him on a couple of occasions and stuff like that. Um, when I uh, first came to Salt Lake City, which was, I guess, about 15 years ago, I started working at a place called Bocce Trattoria, which was an Italian restaurant. It's uh, defunct. I don't know what's in the location. But anyway, it was, um, it was uh, for me, never growing up in an NBA town, but always a guy that liked listening to sports radio, is that my... I always associate Vin Scully of the Dodgers, you know, of having the voice of an organization and being that guy. And so even though I despise the Dodgers and I'm a Padre fan, I still listen to a lot of Dodgers games because there's just something soothing about knowing the guy has a great call, great, you know, sound bites, and just kind of encapsulates listening. When you're listening to the game, you can always visualize it. And uh, moving into Salt Lake City, um, not really having a dog in the fight with the Jazz at that point in time, it's like it was still fun to start listening to basketball games. I've never really done that before, you know, and uh, kind of getting hot rod and listening to how he would call the games. It just became sort of like, you know, one of those transition things where it's like, oh, maybe I'm going to start following the jazz. Maybe I'm going to become a jazz man on this. And he definitely uh, did a lot. For, um, I think he did it of, not just for me, but I'm, I'm speaking for, hopefully for a lot of people is that uh, he became, you know, just that voice of the jazz for so many years. And, uh, I remember working at Bocce one night, and I was trying to get out. I was waiting tables at the time. Usually, we'd be done by 10, 10.30 or something like that. And this older gentleman comes into the place. I did not know who he was, and he sits down, 
And people come over and say hi to him. He was in my section. So I go over there and I take his order. And he uh, ordered a uh, Johnny Walker Black on ice. And so I went to the bar, rang it up, got the drink, and brought it back to the table. As I bring it back to the table, he holds it up incredulously at me and says, what is this? And I go, well, it's like you're scotch, sir. He goes, no, 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 no. What is this? You know? And I was like, uh, it's your scotch. You know? And then what I didn't know is because it's hot rod Hunley, Utah liquor laws did not apply to him. <laughs> and so uh, I went to my manager to complain about this, you know, what I thought was this curmudgeon man, you know, that was complaining about his drinks and maybe you could help me out with this or like, uh, and stuff like that. He takes one look at me and says, you know, that's hot rod, you know? And then at that point, you know, it was, it was a different story, but. He came in multiple times after that. Finished the story. So what'd you do? Oh, I went. I, I fetched him a you know a, a, a Viking's goblet worth of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just figured, yeah. If you were really doing him a service, you would just handed him the bottle. Just keep it under the tablecloth, sir. <laughs> or even, or just keep it on the table, you know. <laughs> but, but who cares, right? Yeah, but he came back. I, I waited on him at this restaurant, you know, three or four more times. And after the first kerfuffle that I had with him. You know, he recognized me, and he was a very nice man. Um, just kind of, kind of like those old school customers that you like. You know, in those white tablecloth restaurants that kind of expect a level of service. And he, you know, he tipped great. Couldn't have been nicer. Signed autographs. I, I never asked for one, except you know maybe on his credit card. But uh, it was sad to see him go. I, uh, I, it was uh, you know with with him stepping away, and then you know obviously he had a bunch of health concerns and stuff like that. Uh, it was, it's always weird knowing that you've got these parts of teams that never step foot on the court or the field or the ice that are just as involved with the actual game itself and uh you know it's just uh you know r.i.p you know uh uh, uh you know you gotta love it baby <laughs> that's about that yeah so yeah that's I, I i think also maybe uh it's worth just appreciating you know the nba is on on tv every night now and and uh, you know it's always TNT or TBS or you know or, or ESPN on Wednesdays or whatever. And and Hunley really came at in a kind of a special time when you know the well certainly the NBA wasn't as huge as it is today. It was just sort of reaching you know some of its some of its prime. And and I think you know it was maybe a special time for for radio broadcasters especially who could kind of connect with people in sort of an intimate way. And, and there was just legions of people kind of connecting with him, kind of forming some of those bonds, um, you know, in a way that maybe maybe a broadcaster like maybe David Locke is maybe stacked against him a little bit because there is TV, because there there are sort of other options, you know? I mean, yeah, what, it's, uh, but, you know, the good, ones you can, the good ones you can hear from a mile away, you know? And I think David Locke does a great call. You know, I think he's he's on. I think Bowler Jack does a great call. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I, I, the Jazz are lucky to have these two guys. And even when they're stinking up the joint, you know, they still do a really good job of, you know, conveying the excitement or lack thereof, which is sometimes the best part of a game is that when the guy from the hometown is calling his own team and the team's just stinking up the joint, you know, like uh, uh, who's the guy who works for the Bees? Steve Krause? Says, Steve Klauke. Klauke, pardon me. Um, Utah you know, Broadcaster of the Year. Yeah, no, I think I think he's wonderful, you know, and I, I think he's because uh, there's nothing better than listening to uh, baseball is built for radio, you know, mm. and uh, Hot Rod definitely made basketball an easier transition for me. And so for that, you know, he's swel- uh, swirling in the heavens right now. But hopefully, the waiter knew enough to bring him a full glass. <laughs> this, yeah, that's definitely. 
Anyway, we're getting close to that point here. Uh, I want to thank Kyle Goon for uh, stopping into the show. Follow him on Twitter, at Kyle Goon. Uh, what's the next step with the basketball season closing down? Uh, I'm assuming Larry's going to be at the Masters next week because that's maybe his second favorite event in sports. So, yeah, that's pretty much up. what's up for the basketball team. Well, <laughs> the next news will be whether uh, Jakob, Jakob comes back, right? Clearly Jakob. So, um, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure there's some great indications on what he's doing. I think, I think at least part of his decision is going to come with who else is coming out, honestly, this year because mm-hmm. um, there are some really talented big men from Okafor to Kaminsky uh, to, to Colley Stein and Carl Towns. So maybe, you know, maybe there's sort of a market flux thing. But also, you know, he told me uh, the night after the Duke loss, um, he was saying, you know, I, I really do kind of value the, the, the relationships that I've built here in Salt Lake. This team is not like any other team I've been a part of. Um, it's sort of like a family, and, and I really – uh, you know, I don't really want to leave these guys. Um, but I, I think, you know, knowing his family, um, they're not they're they're not a family that's desperate for him to go for any, you know, any big reason. But I, th- I think they will make sort of an educated decision decision. Can he improve his stock? Can he, you know, can he how much is he going to is he going to be worth in the NBA this year? Um, and, and they'll kind of go from there. I, I don't know where the what where that's going to lead them, but I'm sure it's going to be a very well thought out decision from from that family. Cool. Hey, we're looking forward to reading that. Uh, check it out online, and also you know subscribe to the paper. You know, if you're listening to the podcast at this point in time, with all you know, 46 hours of free entertainment and all this infor- information coming at you, the least you can do is get a six month subscription. We're talking to you, uh, Betting's mom. Oh, well, <laughs> let's go two years on that. Come on. It's good six months. You know what? You get them for six, they're in for the rest of their life. (laughs) Follow Kevin at at KWinMo. I'm at Benny Raskin. Obviously, go to iTunes, rate, review, and uh, subscribe to the show. Uh, uh, Five-star rating. Kill us in the comment section. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trip Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrip.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trip Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.